Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Father, that's our desire this morning, always to see you. See you high and lifted up in our lives. We just pray this morning that truly desires of our heart would be revealed this morning, that you, Lord, would cultivate the fruit that you desire to produce in each of our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. We are in a series of topical messages still, which will probably get into February, so be patient. We will get back into a, a book. Growing up, my mother had a green thumb. She loved to work in the yard. Us boys did not. But every once in a while, she would have me dig a hole so she could plant something. And I remember what she would do is, in the kitchen sink, she would have an avocado pit. Thinking that she would grow an avocado tree. It never worked. Now, we had strawberries. And I remember this day, my dad would say, Son, go out there and pick me some strawberries so I can cut them up in my shirt reel. We had apples, though the apples never really got very big. Another thing, my dad said, Hey, son, go pick some apples. We'll make a pie. Turned out, But the avocado never happened. It's a good fruit. Not everybody likes avocados. I personally really like avocados, but not everybody does. In our family, we did. Fruit is what it is. It's a fruit. Most people think it's a vegetable. No, it's a fruit. Now, what's interesting is, is that there's something in each of us that, if you will, should be producing in our lives. It's not like the avocado that died. It should be fruit. See, that's what the Bible desires for all of us. The Word of God speaks of is fruit in our lives. In Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to give you a lot of verses. Verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is among you. So since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Again, this fruit with you coming and myself coming to Christ. Bringing forth more fruit. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Being filled with the fruits of what? Righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. So now it's from the fruit of coming to the gospel, but it's also understanding the fruit of righteousness, believe it or not, that is in you now because of Christ Jesus. And he's working that out in your life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 21, it says, What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? When you were before Christ in the flesh. What did you produce in your life that you're now ashamed of? 
For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become the slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end to everlasting life. Fruit. Fruit from, instead of now, that which enslaved, that you're ashamed of, to now the fruit to holiness and righteousness, because of the fruit that you partook of in the gospel message that Jesus Christ took your sin upon Himself. And the best part of it is just not that. But then He clothed us in His righteousness. But see, that's not just it. I mean, we think these things through, and, and, and hopefully you're one of those people that go through and put the armor of God on every day. Good stuff. And if you notice, it's the breastplate of righteousness. It's the understanding that God's got you covered. And the enemy is going to throw everything at you saying, you're not good. But it's not about your righteousness. It's about His. See, as we understand, and as if you will, as we partake of these things, then something tremendous happens. It's fruit in our lives. If you will, turn with me to John chapter 15. And we will look at several verses here. It's about, really, if you will, bearing fruit. Starting at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, remain in me, be at home in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides or remains or its home in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, stay here, abide, remain, be at home. He is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. It's the vine that we are connected to Him, who is the true vine. How's your life? What fruit are you bearing? It comes back to this. How much are you abiding in Him? How much are you at home in Him? How much is He at home in you? How much is He free to produce in you what He desires? Oh, you're all looking at me staring blankly. Because see, if you're honest with yourself, you're going, I could do better. Can you? How do you do better? How do you allow the Spirit to work these things in and through you? Well, some of it's understanding, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about. But let's continue on. Look at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. 
Abide in my love. Stay in my home, love. Remain in my love. Be at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Interesting here. What's interesting about it is if you caught it, He just gave us the fruit of the Spirit. At least the first two. Love and joy. See, if we abide in Him, then these fruits shall be produced in and through us by His Spirit. It's the old saying. What is it? It's not how much you have of the Holy Spirit. It's how much does the Holy Spirit have of you? Me. See, God desires to do a work in each of us. Done deal. But see, we struggle with what? The submission of what? Abiding, staying at home with Him. Remaining in His Word. But not just hearing the Word, obeying the Word. Now, I know you understand that. And that's where a lot of us start saying, well, I I don't do as good as I should. And remember, what it really comes boils down to is allowing, well, picture yourself as soil. It's letting God work the soil. Now picture that you can actually pick yourself up as soil and walk away. And that's what so many of us do. Instead of letting Him cultivate and work it, put the nutrients in. If anyone thirsts, let Him come to me and drink And out of his heart, as the scripture says, will flow rivers of living water. It's his work, but it's us yielding. But it's also us understanding something, a spiritual truth I want us to grasp this morning. And maybe you've never thought of it this way. But see, the fruit of the Spirit is more than just being produced in you. Or me. Now, if you will, let's flip over to Galatians chapter 5, which speaks to the fruit of the Spirit. Still a new Bible and sticky. There we go. Galatians chapter 5, start at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, For the sake of simplicity, to abide in Christ is to live in the Spirit and to walk continuous action. It also implies progress, growth, submitting to the Holy Spirit's control and work in our lives, producing fruit. Now, what I want you to consider is the fruit. 
Because, see, if we can wrap our minds, if we can receive this, if we can accept this in our own hearts, then the cultivating process becomes, if you will, I won't say easier, but more understood. See, the first of the fruit, and many people say, really, the other part of the fruits, or the other fruits, I should say, stems from this first one, and that's love. It's love. How loving are you? Wait a minute, you just said something that we were... Yeah, you're right. Because, see, we can't love unless we understand this simple truth. We love Him because He first loved us. 1 John 4.19 Or as Ephesians says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You see the soil? God is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, what is the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Or as Jeremiah put it, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. See, there's a scripture of biblical truth and it is that God... What God requires, listen to this, what God requires of us, He's already given. Forgive. Why? Because I've forgiven you. Give mercy. Why? Because I've given you mercy. The more we understand what God has given, the more we accept what God has given to us, the more prone we are for God's Spirit to work in and through us with me? Hey gang, God loves you. Oh, He knows you're a bonehead. He knows I'm a bonehead. But He loves you with an everlasting love. Nothing can separate us from love. I know I harp on this a lot because if we can get this simple truth, you're already loved. Now go in that love. He loves you the same today as He did yesterday. As He will tomorrow. It's not based on your performance. But it does grow inside you as we understand it and receive it. Oh, His love is is just continual. And when God does something, He does it infinite. But for our capacity to receive and accept it comes to just accepting it and then appropriating in our lives. I'm loved. See, everything of these fruits, I want us to understand this, is everything you crave in your life, God loves you. Stop being ashamed. Stop holding back. Stop not letting Him love you. He loves you. And it's not going to change. 
But what can change is how much you accept it and appropriate it in your life. But if that wasn't good enough for you, if you notice the next one is joy. Well, we already read this in John. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Your joy may be full. See, it's hard for us to understand something. God rejoices over you. He rejoices over you. I love what Zephaniah says. 3.17 Listen. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He rejoices over you with gladness. He quiets you with His love. He rejoices over you with singing. Oh, come on, parents. Especially you mothers. What do you do? You can't help but sing. I don't care how bad of a singer you are, but you sing over your children. When you start getting self-conscious is when they start understanding, you're not a very good singer. Like my daughter keeps reminding me. But that's a different story. No, please don't pity me. And don't agree with her. But understand something. That's your Heavenly Father. He sings over you. He rejoices over you. Understand that you're singing over your child because you see the possibilities. That's not what God sings over you. He sees the completion. He rejoices over you. Now let that sink down because a lot of us say we're not worthy. I mean, he can't. Okay, maybe the love, but he actually rejoices over me. I'm a knothead. I keep failing. I keep struggling. I get angry. I do this. I do that. He can't be rejoicing over it. Remember something. He does. But now Jesus said in his great prayer in John 17, I come to you, Father, in these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. Is it sinking in? John the Apostle. I just love this in the beginning of 1 John. Because you can, you can feel his excitement. You can feel his joy. You can feel it. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Sorry about that, Travis. God rejoices over you. What's the next one? Oh, may I say this too? Jesus says that when one sinner comes to faith and repents, that there's joy in heaven. But what's the next one? It's peace. We just celebrated Christmas. We understand why Jesus came. The angels sang it. The angels said it. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Well, what it means is that now there's no division. There's no 
angst anymore. Because He's come to build the bridge. To die for our sins which separate us from God. That now there's peace with God. There is no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, if we could just hear that. There's no condemnation. (laughs) Peace. 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 Grace to you, says in Galatians. Why? Because Paul would say, grace to you and peace from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. It's a done deal. When you come to Christ, there's peace. How's the peace in your heart? Oh, but you don't know me. You don't know the turmoil in my heart. God's up there going, oh man, this guy, this guy's gone. Just too much in there. I don't want to be residing in that heart. No, because he is in you. And he says, peace. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled in turmoil. Neither let it be afraid. Peace. In Romans it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we all crave this love, joy, peace. See, that's what, if you will, heaven is about to. Romans 15:13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in heaven and no more arguments? No more turmoil? More angst. Just peace. Now, can you imagine Jesus grabbing a hold of your face and saying, Peace! Be still. Think I'm stretching? What does God say in Psalms 46:10? Be still and know that I am God. God's peace is over you. What's next when we find long-suffering or patience? This is a faithful saying, Titus says, and Paul says in Titus, worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all patience as a pattern to those who are going to believe in Him for everlasting life. Patience. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long patience towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And consider, Peter goes on in chapter 3 to say, that the patience of our Lord is salvation. We all understand this. I mean, if you if you really think with me, as much as you think you desire or deserve, I should say, judgment, 
but God's patient with you. Cultivating the fruit that we're talking about here. He's patient. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that, oh, I can't do anything with this soil because now I just chuck it? No, what was chucked, remember, what was cut off was that which did not produce. What? It had no life in it. Why did it not have any life in it? Because it did not abide or remain or be at home in Christ. Have no faith in Him. Did not remain, and we'll talk about that in a second. Remain and stay. I started looking for other ways to find love, joy, peace. That rejected the Lord's way and accepted Satan's way or the world's way. Churches are littered with people that have walked away. He's patient with us. He's patient with you. He's patient with me. What's the next one we find? It's kindness. In the Psalms it says this, Psalm 117, verse 2, For His mercy, merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. What does the psalmist say? Praise the Lord. Paul and Titus says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, not by anything you did, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit that's cultivating in our lives these truths that we're talking about even this morning. You let Him dig deep into your heart, dig these truths in there that you receive them, accept them, that the God you worship is a God of mercy, is a God of grace, He's a God of love. He's a God of joy. He's a God of peace. That He's patient with you. That He's kind. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And raises up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of the grace of His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You're going to be displayed in heaven, revealing kindness through Christ Jesus when you were abiding in goodness. Oh, I had to hold back on this one. Just like love. Psalm 107, 8, 9. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul and He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. 
His truth endures to all generations. Now we can understand why the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience yourself. Accept His goodness. Psalm 86.5 For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness? His forbearance and patience, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? What it's saying there is, when you make that mistake, God's patient with you. So that you come to the realization that I made a mistake in sinning. That you remember the goodness of God to repent, to come back to Him. And He receives you. Somebody came up to Jesus and called Him a good teacher. And He said, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. Now, some people have taken that wrong and say, well, see, he's saying he's not God. No. He's saying, why are you calling me that? Do you see me for who I really am? For God is good. Good. He's faithful. And Titus Excuse me, 2 Timothy 2.13. Paul says to Timothy, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He's faithful. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. What he says will come to pass, for he stands on it, on his word. He is faithful. He's faithful to love you. He's faithful to rejoice over you. He's faithful to have peace with you. He's faithful to be patient and kind and good. He is faithful. As he says. How's the soil doing? He's gentle. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Matthew 11, 28-29. Psalm eighteen thirty-five. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. I love this one. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. 
He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. He's gentle. He's gentle. He's kind. He's loving. He's joyful. He's working in you. He's working in you. He's saying, will you remain here with me? Self-control, well, that's the story of Christ. I mean, let's face it. Anytime Jesus could have said, you know, Father, I can't go on with this. These people are knuckleheads. Why would I even want to die for them? No, he held back. Self-control through the cross. Through it all. With you. Me. I like what Psalm 103 says, 13 and 14. As a father pities or loves has compassion on his children. So the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. He shows self-control and not destroying everything that should be destroyed on this earth even now. And judgment. But see, it always comes back again to us. Did you hear these words? It's God's words, not mine. His truth, not mine. See, He wants us to grasp it and hold it dear to us, regardless of what you've gone through your life. Because really, what it comes down to is to remember something, that He's at work always. Even in that bad stuff that happened in your life, God's at work. But see, it's for Him to... Give us an understanding that even in this, that nothing is impossible with me, you tell us. That no matter how corrupt or corroded a piece of dirt is, with his hands in it, then what he does is he creates something beautiful, wonderful, perfect, good. Paul will tell us in Ephesians that we're his workmanship, we're his art. That's what it means, our poem, his poem. You're his poetry. You're his work of art. Working in us, telling us, I love you. I rejoice over you. I rejoiced over you before you were even made in your mother's womb, before the creations was created. That the peace that I now have with you was the peace I had with Adam until the fall. And now that peace once again, that I desire fellowship with you. I desire for you to know me, to know the things that we're speaking of here. But see, just like everything, it comes down to one simple thing. Do you abide? Do you remain? Or... Like so many in the culture, we always find something else to pacify, don't we? Oh, we're all guilty of it. It could be something as innocent, quote-unquote, as sports. But it could also lead to darkness as in the entertainment world. 
Maybe it's just selfishness. What is it in you that keeps you going? That'll speak truth to you. When you get up in the morning, what's the first thought? Is it what your agenda is that day? Or an understanding that apart from Him, if I do not abide, then I will struggle. I will fall. Jude, in that short but powerful book, says this. In verses 20 and 21, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, listen, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. How to remain? Jude tells us. Remain in His love. He loves you. He's at work. There's no better place to be Everything you crave for in this life, he says, I will satisfy you. I am the lover that you seek. I am the one that rejoices over you. I'm the one that brings peace into your heart. I'm the one that's patient with you, and kind, gentle, because I'm good. I'm good. Can you? Accept the fact that I have received you because of my son. And that's a done deal. Don't move. See, as scripture says, if you're a part of us, he would say, then remain. But those that were not a part of us, John goes on to say, they left. So what's the one thing that you desire in this life? Because it's the key of remaining. It's the one thing. What's the one thing? Because nothing else compares. Except for this one thing. It's throughout Scripture. This one thing. Oh, it's, it's written down differently. But it's the same. It's the one thing. The psalmist put it this way. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell, remain, be at home in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. The psalmist goes on, that same psalm of 27. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to your face, I will seek. See, the Lord's not a byproduct. The Lord is it all. Everything's a byproduct from that. It's not the fruit. 
that we should desire. It's the one that makes the fruit. It's not to do the fruit. Because have you ever noticed a fruit doesn't go on a tree and just go, well, like the avocado. The avocado doesn't go, come on, I can do it, I know I can. But that's what we do. I can do it. No, you can't. Can you accept it? What? That God can. God does. God will. Then he looks at us and says, do you believe that I am the God of love? I am the God of joy. I am the God of peace. I am the God of patience. I am the God of gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I am God. See, if we really believe that, then you know what's going to happen? Fruit can't help but yield. The Spirit can't help but use you. In producing these truths and cultivating them in our lives, and then all of a sudden the church again arises in its truth, and the power of the gospel. Because it is all about Him. His light shining in and through you and me. And we have the answer to life. We are loved. <laughs> oh, the joy that I have in the Lord. Oh, Remember, joy doesn't depend upon outward circumstances. It's the inward work of God in our lives that I, we have joy. And that's been proven throughout the history of the church. It's because of the peace we have with Him. We have a relationship with Him. But again, is this what we're cultivating? Is this the one thing you're doing? Is this the one thing you're building upon? Is this what you're getting up in the morning to do? Is this the realization, this is why I need to be in the Word? Because He is faithful to His Word, and His Word washes and regenerates me, renews me, it gives me God thoughts. Not for me as God. No, don't go there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about His thoughts. That I see things through His eyes rather than just my puny eyes that always come back to me. Oh, I like to look at me. I don't know why. Trust me, I don't like looking at me anymore. Mark, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, who is that old dude staring at me? But that's what we do. God says, look up. I know. You got a lot to think about, so do I. How are you remaining in Him? How are you making Him the priority of your life? And because of time, I won't go into a lot more other stuff. But I will ask you to do this one thing stand. Father, we just thank you for the truth that we learned this morning. I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would understand these truths of really 
revelation of your character and your heart for us. I pray each of us, Lord, would accept it, regardless of the struggles we may find ourselves, even in this day. My prayer for each of us, Lord, that we would remain in this truth. We would remain in Christ. And that by every effort that you, Lord, have presented before us, that we would remain in your word, that we would be men and women of prayer, that we would be men and women of fellowship, that we be men and women yielded to the great and wonderful hands of your Spirit to cultivate these truths in each of our lives and to understand, Lord, that you are for us and not against us, that your work will be completed. We can be confident in this. Lord, help us to be men and women that are on fire for you, We pray that you would stir in our hearts again, not seeking the Spirit for our own selfish edification, but understanding the Spirit desires to do the work in and through us for His purpose, for His glory, and for others to see the love, the joy, the peace, the fruit of our God in their lives because of the truth of the Gospel message going forth and bearing more fruit. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you in His presence with exceedingly great joy to the wise God be glory and majesty forever and ever. 